Amen. Well, good morning. How are you doing? Good. Hope you guys had a great Christmas, and we are continuing Christmas. It is too good just to talk about for one week. We had the Advent season, season leading up to, to Christmas, and we're going to continue the Christmas conversation today just a little bit, because it is such a glorious time of the year, such a wonderful time that we remember the birth of Jesus into this world. It's also another fantastic time of the year for many couples, as this may be the second most popular day of the year for engagements. I'm not going to ask if anyone's planning on that today. I don't want to you know, ruin the surprise for anybody. Um, but I think that's incredibly cheesy. Come on, the 31st, seriously, right behind Valentine's Day, super cheesy, isn't it, Jillian? I'm coming at you. <laughs> I only say that because I know Eric and Jillian got engaged on the 31st. Anyone else, else out there, 31st, got engaged? See, you guys are the only ones, the only ones. But I know that's, it's a great story. I encourage you guys to ask them about their story. I couldn't do it on the 31st, so I did it on the 30th. Right? So we celebrated yesterday. It's really different, doing it one day different. But it is a good story, right? It's a good thing to remember. It's a, it's a fun thing to remember those stories of engagements, of dating. I actually love it when people ask the story about how Hannah and I met. And it really depends on the, the situation, on how much detail they get, right? If it's over a, a dinner in our dining room or if it's, you know, just running into someone and we have five minutes at the coffee shop, they, there, there's a different story that we give. But anytime, anytime we're asked, I always have to slip in about how she didn't want to date me in the first place and, and she had to be talked into the second date and she said no to me on my birthday and, and all these little, little things. And, and she has her side of the story, but I'm the one up here with the mic, so I get to tell my side of the story today. So but like, if you want to know it, you, you can ask her later. But it is so fun to just talk about the memories and the good times. And there's always a hundred different perspectives and versions of the story depending on the circumstances that we tell. And the same is true actually when we come to the Gospels, when we come to the birth story of Jesus. We have four Gospel accounts in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And all of them have a little different of a, of a spin on the life and ministry of Jesus. All of them start in a little bit of a different place. Matthew and Luke start with the birth of Jesus, but, but Luke goes a little further to the side first. He starts with John the Baptist and his parents. Matthew starts with the, the genealogy of Jesus. Mark avoids the birth of Jesus altogether. He just start, jumps into the baptism and the beginning of Jesus' ministry, quote-unquote ministry. John, though, John is where I want us to look today. The beginning of John, how John starts his gospel account as he tells about the life and the ministry of Jesus. And he begins not with the birth of Jesus into this world, but by drawing our attention back to the beginning of the creation of the world and showing how Jesus was present even in the very beginning as God created the heavens and the earth. John chapter 1 First three verses says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was fully God. The word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. 
John starts here in the beginning by drawing the reader's attention back to the beginning of creation. The, those, those three words, in the beginning, drawing our attention back to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Right? He draws our attention back there to highlight how Jesus was involved in creation. He uses this word, word, to refer to Jesus. Right, to show how Jesus was present in creation, all things were created through him, how he was an active participant in the creating process back in Genesis. And we know that John here is talking about Jesus, besides the word, word being capitalized, because of what he says in John chapter 1, verse 14, just a couple verses later. John 1, 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The foundation of Jesus for John doesn't go back to his creation in this world when he was born flesh and blood of a virgin 2,000 years ago. It goes back before that to the beginning of the world where Jesus was there, where he was an active participant, where he was creating what we have around us today. And then, 2,000 years ago, much, much later after the creation of the world, of the world he became flesh. He, he dwelt among us. This is the foundation that John starts with, his identity, the core nature of who Jesus is. But it's the last part of this verse that I want us to zero in on this morning. The last part of verse 14, glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. As John is making a foundational statement, introducing Jesus, showing how he goes back to the creation of the world, this foundational truth of who Jesus is at his core, as he's full of grace and full of truth. Both those words, grace and truth, in the Greek, they go back to that word full. So it's not he's full of grace and there's truth, but he's full of grace and he is full of truth. And that's what I want us to be looking at this morning as we celebrate the birth of Jesus into this world, becoming flesh, dwelling among us. As we look ahead to a, a new year and new opportunities, and who knows what this, this marker that we observe of January 1st is, is to bring in 2024, let us start with this foundational identity of who Jesus is, that he is full of grace and full of truth. And as we do that, I just want to make sure we're starting with this just basic understandings of what it means of grace and truth. What's it mean that he's full of grace? What, what is grace? It's defined a whole lot of different ways. Some say it's unmerited favor. It's this idea that what we deserve is not what we get. What we get is not what we deserve. This idea that if you have an invoice, you have a bill for 50 bucks, it is mercy for whoever you owe the $50 to to say, ah, just forget about it. Let me tear that up and we'll, we'll just ignore it. Right? You, you owe something and it's just, it's just erased. It's just forgotten. That's mercy. Mercy's wonderful. Mercy's great. We, we love mercy. We, we want people to have mercy on us. But at the end of the day, we also want justice. Sometimes we're hurt. Sometimes wrong is done to us. And, and we, we want justice. And if things are just forgotten, if it's just set aside and just ignored, then, then there's no justice. Now, that's what mercy is. Grace says, you have an outstanding bill of 50 bucks. Here, I'll pay that bill for you so it's covered. It's gone. It's paid in full. And here's 50 bucks too. 
except the grace that we have through Jesus is so much bigger than 50 bucks. Right? It's that we deserve death and what he gives us is life. He doesn't just pay the debt for us and give us a blank slate to start over with and now we get to make a new choice and now we get to live life and, and try to avoid death from now on. No, no, no. He paid the debt for us and he gives us life. That is grace. Ephesians chapter two says, for by grace you are saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not from work so that no one can boast. Right? We can't deserve it. We can't earn it. We could spend a lifetime of doing good things or giving everything that we have, giving a ton of money or, or fill in the blank with whatever striving you think is, is right. And it still doesn't deserve the grace that we have in Jesus. He is full of grace. He is full of grace because he simply loves us and he wants to give us good things and he, he wants to be with us and he's just, he is just who he is. That he is full of grace. He's also full of truth, full of truth. John chapter 14, verse six, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? The omniscience of God that he knows everything, he knows all things, he created this world and everything around us is that he is the source of all truth. Uh, Wheaton College has a phrase that drives a lot of what they do that says all truth is God's truth. Now, I want to be very careful here, right? This is not relative truth. This is not saying that you have your truth and I have my truth and all truth is God's truth, right? It's not that. It is a way of them saying that the more we pursue truth, the more we get to know God because God is truth, right? So it drives a lot of their science and, and learning about the world that we live in and, and, and different aspects of life because the more we pursue truth, the more we see God. Now, we do have to be careful here, okay? I, I acknowledge this. I want to be very careful with all of this. Years ago, science told us that the world was flat. We clearly know that the world is not flat today, Right? It's not flat. It's round, circular, sphere, right? But what the pursuit of that truth did was leave us in awe of God, that the earth is the exact distance from the sun that it needs to be to sustain life, that any further away, it'd be too cold. Any closer, we would all burn up. It'd be way too hot, right? That the, that the moon orbits the earth at the exact right speed to, to have tides and waves and all this science stuff, and that the, the moon is orbits the earth, orbits the sun at the right angle and tilt. And I don't know what I'm talking about with all of this, but it is so perfectly designed. This could not happen by chance. And the pursuit of that truth leads us to an awe of who God is, right? It's not saying that we blindly accept whatever science says is truth, not at all. But that as we pursue truth, we know God more because God is the source of all truth. Jesus is full of truth. He is the source of all truth. He's full of grace and full of truth. The struggle is our human tendency is to lean to either grace or truth. Right? We, we like to play this balancing act and we try to keep it, you know, it needs to be 50-50 or, or some situation, some people, we need to have a little bit more truth than grace or a little bit more grace than truth. And it might be 60-40 on the rare occasion. It might be 70-30, right? And we, we got to play this balancing act. Like we have a hundred percent and we have to make sure that the right percentage is grace and the right percentage is truth. But that's not how Jesus lived, full of grace and full of truth. 
100% grace and 100% truth 100% of the time. Like we don't, our minds just don't comprehend this, right? We don't understand this. Our phone battery cannot go to 110% charged. We can't have 200%. If I say I'm giving it 200%, it's a way that I'm saying I'm just, I'm giving it everything I got. I'm giving it everything I have, but I can't actually give 200%. But somehow with Jesus, He's 100% God, he's 100% man, he's 100% grace and 100% truth, 100% of the time, he is full of grace and full of truth. And he doesn't play this balancing act, trying to get the right percentage, trying to get the right combination. He lives his life as 100% of grace and 100% truth, 100% of the time. You see, the struggle when we don't do the same is that we either lean too far to grace and we ignore truth. We limit truth, which ignores part of who Jesus is at his core. That's not good. Or if we lean too much towards truth, we become legalistic if we don't have enough grace. And so leaning one way or the other isn't good. And have you ever noticed that maybe sometimes, possibly, don't want to step on any toes to start the new year here, but maybe we tend to have a little bit more grace towards ourselves or people we love who are close to us. And we tend to just want to speak truth to, to other people, people who aren't living right or outside in the world, right? We just, we just want to speak truth. And we tend to have more grace towards us, right? We're not unbiased. And as we're trying to play this balancing act, it, it never, never ends well. Praise be to God that we don't have to be the ones to do this balancing act. Because in John chapter 1, verse 16, verse 15 is kind of a parenthesis scripture about John the Baptist. But in verse 16, John continues the point that he's making in verse 14. Verse 16, he says, For from his fullness... We have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So, so from the fullness of Jesus is who have we've received grace. What is Jesus full of? Come on. Grace and truth. And it's from that fullness that we've received grace. Right? It's Jesus 100% grace, 100% truth. And as he overflows, full of grace, full of truth, from his fullness, that's the grace that we've received. John is not ignoring the truth part. He's not saying Jesus is full of grace, full of truth, and you've received grace. No, no. From the overflow of Jesus, who is full of grace, full of truth, from his fullness is the grace that we've received. He's done the balancing act for us, where it's not balanced to 100%. It is full grace, full truth, and the grace that comes to us from God is full grace and full truth. Praise be to God. We see this exemplified throughout Jesus' life and ministry as he interacts with people and engages with people as he heals people. We see him speak nothing but truth completely all the time. He never compromises the truth. He never says, well, it used to say this, and I'm changing that. And He never compromises the truth. And he has nothing but grace and compassion for people, even the people who I very often think he doesn't necessarily need to have a lot of compassion for and grace on, but he does anyway. 
One of my favorite stories actually is from Mark chapter 11. And in Mark chapter 11, the religious leaders come to Jesus and they say, um, by what authority are you doing these things? What authority are you healing? What authority are you forgiving people? By, by what authority are you doing these things? And this is the opportunity that Jesus has before this conversation goes any further. This is the opportunity he has to pull him aside and say, hey guys, um, this isn't going to go well for you. You're not going to come out of this looking good. I'm just trying to have a grace on you. Right? I, I, want, I want to give you guys a, a side exit. I'm not going to draw. I'll draw the crowd away. You guys exit stage left, and, and you just, just, just go about your day. This is not going to end well for you. I'm, I'm just trying to spare you this. Right? He, he doesn't just have grace on them. No, he asks them a question. Mark chapter 11, verse 29. Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question, answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John, John the Baptist, was it from heaven or from man? Answer me. And so the religious leaders, they, they excuse themselves for just a minute. They, they back up and they huddle together and they're talking about it. One of them points out something uh, pretty interesting. This is, you know, if we, if we say it's from heaven, he's going to ask, why don't we believe him? Why don't we believe that his authority came from heaven too? So we can't say it's from heaven. Um, if we say it's from man, that's going to be really problematic also because everyone around, everyone else saw John's baptism and believes it was from heaven. So if we say it was from man, we're going to have a lot of people asking us questions and our authority is going to be compromised and our positions might be jeopardized and it's, it's not going to be good. So they talk about it and they come back to Jesus and they say, hey, we have an answer. I don't know. And this is Jesus' opportunity to speak truth. This is Jesus' opportunity that he knows what happened. And he says, yeah, yeah, you, you know, you, you know. I didn't overhear it, but I, but I know what you guys were talking about. And you know that if you say it, that it's from heaven, that I'll just simply ask them, why don't you believe me? And you know that if you say from man, that you're going to have the crowds pretty upset and angry about it. So, so you know, so I, I need an answer. I'm just speaking truth. I'm just speaking truth. But that's not what he says. He says in verse 33, Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And somehow, masterfully, Jesus is able to speak truth and have grace. And I'm just left in awe because this is so hard to do. It is so hard to be full of grace and full of truth all the time. And I am just so grateful that this grace that I receive from Jesus is full of grace and full of truth. More importantly, just as importantly, is that the grace that we give others needs to be this kind of grace that comes from Jesus. That it's not just pure grace, it's not just, just the grace without truth, that it's not just truth without grace, that it's not this, some kind of combination that we try to figure out on our own, but that the grace that we give others comes from Jesus that he gives us, who is full of grace and full of truth. And that's a really, really hard thing to do. Because as we go and we live our lives, as we enter a new year, it is really hard to be full of grace and full of truth. 
And we're going to feel this pull back and forth to sometimes lean towards truth and sometimes lean towards grace and going back and forth and back and forth. And we have got to make sure that the grace that we're giving others is the same grace that we've received from Jesus, from the overflow, from his fullness, who is full of grace and truth. So I just have a couple suggestions, a couple ideas that I want to leave you with as we start a new year, as we tackle this really hard thing that Jesus is calling us to. One, always point back to him. Always point back to Jesus. Whenever you're wrestling, whenever you're struggling with how to have grace and truth in a particular scenario, go back to scripture. What does Jesus do? How does Jesus handle situations, right? WWJD. Kind of literally, just go back, and, and how does Jesus handle it? Solomon says nothing is new under the sun. It looks different. But Jesus tackled so many scenarios that we face in our life, and it might not be the answer we like, but how is he able to speak truth and have grace at the same time? It's really hard to do this alone. As many times as I've read the Gospels and, and I've and I've done this, when I, when I have a problem in my mind, when I'm in my life, when I'm trying to figure something out, I have blinders on because I'm so focused on this that sometimes I don't see what I need to see. And so my second suggestion, suggestion to you is to do it in community. Don't do this alone, but bring it to your small group, to your life group, bring it to your community, community and say like, I, I don't know how to reply to resolve this situation. I don't know how to speak truth and grace at the same time and reflect this kind of grace that Jesus showed me to other people. Can you guys help me see how Jesus did this in scripture? Can you help guide me in a way that is, is biblical and, and God honoring in this circumstance? And, and we need people around us who don't have those same blinders on that we do, who can say, um, maybe look at this verse or check this thing out. Maybe try this idea because it is really hard. It is impossible to do this on our own. And we need the community of believers around us to help us in this. And finally, number three, practice. Practice until it happens naturally. You're not going to get it right the first time. You might not even get it right the second time. And I doubt you'll get it right the third time. But we keep practicing, we keep pushing pause on situations, keep, keep coming back to scripture and saying, how did Jesus handle this? And, and with time and trying and trying and trying again, then maybe, just maybe we can get to the point where we start to reflect the grace to others that Jesus has, th has shown us from his fullness, who's full of grace and truth. Hopefully, with time, we have such a deep desire in our hearts to share this truth because we have an equally deep desire for people to have a second chance because we want them to know there's hope. Hopefully with time, we start to know what the right thing is to say and we know how to say it full of grace. With, with time, we, we don't just stand idly by, but we can jump in, we can get involved, we can do the right thing and do it in the right way that God calls us to full of grace, full of truth. This is a really hard balancing act, and I know that there are probably a hundred other things on your 2024 list to get done this year that you hope to accomplish, <clears throat> that you hope to, <clears throat> excuse me, to see happen this year. But we've got to remember the core of who Jesus is, that when he became flesh and dwelt among us, 
He's full of grace and full of truth. And that is the grace that we take with us into 2024. And that is the grace that we've got to show other people. Father God, we're so grateful for your love, for your grace. So grateful for this opportunity to experience the grace from your son and all that he has to to shower upon us from his fullness, from his love, from who he is, his identity, his core nature being full of grace and full of truth. I pray that we can feel this deeply. I pray that we can experience this deeply in our own life. And that this is the grace that we give to others that is full of grace and full of truth. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The cross, church, is the epitome of full of grace and full of truth. The cross is, is the greatest version of this full of grace and full of truth, that the truth was fully displayed, that Jesus has taken our place in death that we deserve, that we have earned, that is our death to die. That is the full truth and the full grace is that that's how he made new life available to us. That he took our place on the cross and he wants to enter into relationship with us. And so in this time, we're going to pause. We're going to have communion together. Church Online, I hope that you can join us in this time. And I just want to pray and ask you in this moment as we observe communion to ask God to show you which way you tend to lean. Do you tend to lean a little bit more truth or do you tend to lean a little bit more grace? And I want you to pray that in 2024 that God shows you full grace and full truth and helps you live that out with people that you come across in your day-to-day life. If you want someone to pray with you, I'm going to be down here at the front. There'll be other people from our prayer team in the back. We would love a chance to pray with you and talk to you about any of this. Father God, we are so grateful for your love, your grace displayed on the cross, the truth displayed on the cross. Your love, grace, and truth revealed to us in your word and in the word that became flesh. Lord, I pray that in this moment, you will help us see how we've leaned one way or the other. And Lord, I pray that in this next year, God, I pray that we will start reflecting more the grace that you've shown us that is full of grace and full of truth. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.